This is the Moshpit Backstage Podcast for punk, metal and rock interviews and segments. Hi, this is Greg from Paradise Lost and you're listening to Moshpit on Sin. Greg McIntosh is a guitarist from English metal band Paradise Lost who are releasing their 15th album, Medusa, on the 1st of September. They will also be touring Australia in December, playing in Melbourne at the Corner Hotel on the 16th. Greg, thank you so much for joining me. Uh, you're welcome. It's my pleasure. I feel like this is your heaviest album in a number of years. Talk a little bit about the sound of this album. Uh, yeah, I would probably say it's our heaviest album to date, really, because... Partly because of the the, the uh, you know the way the songs are written, but also partly because of the production. The production is very kind of a bit a bit of a throwback production in a way, and also very organic. I mean, it's basically the mics in the room recording everything, no editing, no nothing, um, and it's a very much a doom metal album. You know, I mean, we 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 had a very clear idea of what we were doing before we even started writing this album, which we don't normally have. Normally we just start writing and see what happens. But with this record, we, we had a very clear idea. We wanted to do a doom, a doom metal album. Um, and, and it, it just worked that way. I mean, the first song on the album is eight and a half minutes long. And our label, when we told them we wanted to put that first, they were kind of a little apprehensive, uh, cause it's kind of throwing people in at the deep end. But, um, and it's not, it's not as, um, immediate as maybe some of the previous albums, but I think it's a grower, and um, that, that's the whole point to me, you know. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's it's very heavy, very doom metal. Uh, this is it can be quite eclectic in parts, um, and there's a range of vocal styles and a range of different uh, musical styles on there. How did you go about writing album? You mentioned you had an idea of what you wanted to make. Did that affect the way you write in any way? Um, oh yeah, a little bit because I, I, you, you have in my head, I had a brief, I had something that I really wanted to achieve with it. So that does affect the start, the, the writing style a little bit, but we re, we completely changed our, our, our songwriting style. We started to do it on the last record and it, it was a successful way of songwriting. So we, we, we applied it to this record in its entirety, which is, the idea came to me from David Bowie. I don't know if you know how he used to write his lyrics, but he used to write the words down, various words that he liked, snip them up into pieces and throw them on the floor. Um, and I thought it would be a cool idea to try something similar, in, but in a in an audio way. So I would send uh, Nick, our vocalist, a couple of riffs and just say, can you sing as many different vocal lines as possible over this? You know, gruff vocals, clean vocals, harmonies, various different melodies. And send them back to me, and then I'd completely strip everything apart and build it like a jigsaw from scratch. And it, it became a really intuitive and fast way of writing. Instead of having one version of a song that you're working on over and over to try and get to the best possible version, you can have like 10, 15 versions of the same song at any one time and try out lots of different things really fast. So this album only took like six months to write, and we usually take a year. So... Um, I think I think I'm going to carry on with this songwriting style because it just uh, made everything so intuitive, you know, and really, it really felt like you had a grasp on everything at, at one time. 
in terms of you writing, like before you, you've got the riff down, um, sending it to Nick, he sends you stuff back and you start mixing and matching. How do you mm-hmm. come up with the riffs? What, what, what's your process for that? Uh, well, it doesn't. The riff, the couple of riffs that I come up with to send him in the first place, don't necessarily have to be in the song in the final product, if if you know what I mean. Um, it's just kind of a. I send him a couple of riffs that where I'm just trying to spark his imagination, um, and get you know get something out of him that I that I have an, have an idea about. So usually it's just a little chord progression at first, and when I'm building the song, that that's when the riffs come into play. And um, usually it's it's they're inspired by lots of different things, but you, usually like a, a lot of the early doom metal stuff and early gothic stuff mixed with stuff that I've found recently. You know, I mean, I, I'm a great sort of Bandcamp trawler. I love looking through bands on Bandcamp and finding new finding new bands and then really raving about them and stuff and boring people about them because uh, I just think it's a really it's the best thing that's happened to music since the dawn of the internet for me, uh, uh, Bandcamp, because it's something where the bands have full control over what they do. And um, it's great for me as a listener to uh, find things that are trailblazing. Because in mainstream metal, things seem to have stagnated a lot. So when you look into the underground, that's where the real trailblazers are, I think. Now, you mentioned a lot of different stuff going into the album. One thing that I noticed in particular was Passage for the Dead. It, it kind of had a really old-school feel about it. It had those kind of unnerving guitar melodies that you find in the early um, sort of death metal, doom metal crossover stuff. How did that song in particular come about? Um, it, it's, it's interesting because some people have said certain songs sound like this and certain songs like that, and it's not necessarily what I had in mind, but I, I, I think every point is valid. Uh, with no passage for the dead, it came about. At first, it was just this, this uh, the, the initial riff that you hear when the song comes in, that I just thought was a really cool, slow, like almost yeah, like like early Sabbath meets death metal type riff, and then it kind of expanded on it with a, with this melody line, that, um, the guitar that comes over the top, the fifth harmony melody guitar that's more like something from a classic rock era you know, almost Thin Lizzy-esque over the top of it. And I liked the dissonance of that. Um, and like you say, I think it, it makes it more unnerving because it's something that you know, don't necessarily expect coming in over a riff like that. Um, so, so, yeah, I like to do things like that. I like to tr- try out lots of different things over the top of riffs to try and try and spark some uh, some, some kind of dissonant imagination there. I mean, the the... the Songs to me and bands when I listen to them, it's all about what the song makes you picture in your head and what it makes you feel. And um, even more so than actually the riffs sometimes, it's about the dynamics of the songs and and uh, just where it takes you in your head. So, yeah, I'm a big one for escapism within songs like that. For this album, as with uh, Plague Within... There was, there's a noticeable sort of prominence of the harsh vocals. You mentioned um, trying up lots of different stuff. But in terms of that mm-hmm. kind of res- resurging to prominence in the last album and this record, was that yeah. motivated by, hey, we really want to bring that back, or did it fit the music? Or how did that kind of, let's, let's include more of that kind of stuff? Yeah, it was, it was almost accidental, really. I mean, I was pushing for a few years ago, I was pushing... Nick to try some of that vocal style out again, and he really wasn't 
interested in doing it. Um, but then, you know, we, when we started this kind of songwriting that, that we do now, it gave me kind of the impetus to be able to try it for him, if you know what I mean. He would just give me little passages. And then if I could make it fit really well to whatever I was doing, then he'd have to kind of then say, yeah, you're right, this is really working. Um, so I wasn't really pushing for it. It was just I like to have that in in my at my disposal, if you know what I mean. If if so, if a part demands something like that, then you already have it there, and you can use it in your palette. So, um, and I think it's just the way that this album went. It just became heavier and heavier as we were writing it, and just the gruff vocals were the thing that was working most on a lot of the passages. You released uh, your other band, Valen Valenfire, Valenfear. Valenfire, yeah. Valenfire. Uh, they released an album in June. That's kind of interesting because you've got two bands which it'd be silly to say, oh, they're the same because they're death metal, doom metal. Mm-hmm. But in, in certain ways, there's definitely a similarity. How do those two processes, writing, recording, interact? And how do you kind of keep the, the ideas for bands separate? Uh, well, uh, it, it was definitely more challenging this time because... I only wrote, I mean, there's, there's, this is the third Valenfire album, um, and the last, actually. Um, but it's the it's the first time I've actually had to write back-to-back with Paradise Lost. Usually, I, you know, I started to write this third record because I thought I had a bit of time off from Paradise Lost. But then Paradise Lost signed to Nuclear Blast, and Nuclear Blast wanted an album. So uh, I ended up doing them kind of simultaneously. So, yeah, it was a challenge, but... Um, I think I, I have a very clear view in mind of, of the different vibe that each band gives me. I see Paradise Lost as more the refined um, adult side of me, and Valenfire as the chaotic uh, kind of child in me. Um, so, so it's kind of more about the vibe. You know, when I come up with a riff or a, or a part, um, while I was writing these two records, I was I, I just applied them as to how they made me feel, you know, if it, if it was very angry and chaotic and, uh, and, and, uh, unhinged or, or very, very dissonant, then it, then it was a Valenfire, uh, riff. And if it was more, uh, melodic and more refined, it was a Paradise Lost riff. Um, so, so it kind of helped me in a way because I, you know, when I got kind of bogged down in writing a Paradise Lost song, and I, and I needed to some kind of respite, I would go and write a Valenfire song and vice versa. So it kind of did help in a way, mm. roundabout way anyway. <laughs> What's particularly striking about the album is the cover. It's great. It totally suits the music, very kind of doomy, kind of classic doom in a certain way. But if you don't mind me saying it, it kind of like it strikes me as very different to previous Paradise Lost covers. How did that album cover come about? Uh, well, we um, when we were thinking about an album cover, we uh, myself and Nick, we looked at all the album covers on one page all, that we've had over the years, and I'm kind of kind of fairly proud that every record cover is completely different in style and execution, um, and we we kind of wanted to do the same with the new one. We wanted a co- we knew we wanted a colourful cover. We knew we wanted it some kind of retro styling, but we also wanted it to have some kind of classic PL elements. 
Um, so we approached a place called Branca Studios in in Spain, and um, and we just went through a few different ideas with them. Uh, obviously, with a title like Medusa, you, you you're instantly kind of picturing one thing. Um, but we really wanted to avoid the head of snakes, if you know what I mean. We wanted snakes to be involved, but not the head of snakes. And Branca are really good at that. Um, Branca Studios are really good at that kind of retro styling. But we it had to be this classic kind of PL vibe to it. So, yeah, we, we, toured, we toured and froed a, a little bit until we came up with what we thought was uh, the cover. I mean, the, the, what we gave them as a, as a brief was something like the Born Again cover by Black Sabbath. I mean, because it's a fairly terrible cover, Born Again. But it's very, very iconic and very eye-catching. And so we wanted to something that was, you know, if you passed a poster of it in the street, it would immediately catch your eye. But it had to be something good as well, not like the Born Again cover. So, <laughs> so yeah, you know, it was uh, that was the brief we gave them anyway. And, I, yeah, like, like I said, after a bit to an and we got we got there in the end. You've talked about in the past that uh, you're not just trying to push the envelope for its own sake. Creatively, you've there's been a definite sort of trajectory moving along. No album's the same in a good way. What is it that causes you to not be satisfied with kind of like saying, oh, we'll make some songs in the same style as the previous album? Is it is it boredom? Is it kind of the desire for something different? What, what is that? Yeah, I think it's a natural process where you just, you know, if, if we did you know not every record the same but say we did like five records in a row and they were all kind of very very similar it would be like working on a production line for me it would it would feel like just very pedestrian you know and uh personally I, i i like to be challenged but also have something fresh so i mean i mean i think the reason we we're still going after all this time is that when when we start approach a record we approach it as if we're a brand new band and this is our first record and we have no history and no baggage uh, because that really affects your viewpoint then on everything and it really can really jade your writing style. And um, yeah, I, th- I think, I think that's the, the key to me just um, thinking, right, what am I a hundred percent into at this moment in time? Right. Let's just go for that. And it can change year in, year out. You don't know. You don't know how you're going to feel, you know, uh, I mean, the music that you got into when you were maybe 15, 16 always stays with you to some degree mm. and always keeps coming back. But you can still diversify from that and try different things out to keep it all fresh for yourself. You're playing in Australia in December. In terms of diversity, what what's that show going to look like? Oh, well, that's an interesting one because we'll have just, we'll have just come off a tour promoting the new record, Medusa, in Europe. Um, but also... Uh, in, on September 1st, we did an album release show in Germany where we played the Medusa album in its entirety. But then we do a whole other set um, that's songs picked by the fans. So we're going to have a hell of a lot of material at our disposal and probably fairly obscure material as well, I guess, if the fans are choosing it, um, to implement within sets. So um, I think it's going to be fairly eclectic, really. Um, I think, you know, there'll be... A, Probably a fair few songs from Medusa, but because it's the first time we'll have been to Australia for maybe, I think it's four or five years. Um, I think Soundwave was the last time we were down. Um, I think it's probably going to be a fairly eclectic set, yeah. 
a number of your albums have taken kind of a while to people for really to really get them and kind of understand yeah. what's going on with them. How do you feel about some of your more recent albums being, and this is maybe just my perspective, being praised relatively quickly? Um, yeah, it, it feels strange to me because we're, yeah, we're not the kind of band that usually has an immediate impact. I mean, even from our second album, Gothic, you know, people sort of refer to it now as being a, a landmark in that genre. But at the time, my memory of it is very different. You know, we had trouble getting um, Rough Trade, the, the uh, distribution company, to release it because the, it fell between a rock and a hard place. And it wasn't until maybe a year later that people started to pick up on it. And we've had that a lot throughout our career, you know, with the exception of a handful of albums like Draconian Times was a hit on release, if you want. Um, but yeah, it's, it's kind of strange for me having an immediate impact with an album because it's it's just not, we're not that kind of band. I think this new album, Medusa, is possibly going to challenge people a bit more again than the last record. I think The Plague Within was a lot more immediate uh, from the off, and I think this one's going to take a little bit more, it's more of a grower. And um, I, I kind of like that. I have no problem with that because a lot of my favourite records from my record collection took me a while to get into, um, but then they stick with you. You know, uh, one last question, sort of combining those two questions in a kind of way. Mm-hmm. Um, you recently released the 20th anniversary uh, edition of One Second. Um, yeah. Obviously, sort of falls in a similar category. Personally, I'm a fan. What I'm curious about is you hear people saying um, people, you know, didn't get it at the time. But yeah. what was it like? How did it go down live? What when what when we first played it live, or how does it go down now? Or? How did it go? It had it first go down live. Oh, um, yeah, it was kind of a lot of people not getting it. Um, I'd say I'd say it split the audience in half, pretty much. Um, which is what the album did when it first came out. Really, I mean, you know, we came straight from being like these. I, I mean, Draconian Times was such a kind of people really got it as a metal record. It was a right time, right place type record. And then when we totally went off track and did one second, I think a lot of people who came to see us live were expecting more of this style that was on Draconian Times. And yeah, it kind of threw a lot of people. And I can understand that. You know, I mean, if if people don't like it, they don't like it. Uh, but when I listen to some of our back catalogue, regardless of which record it is, I still think you can tell what band it is regardless of how it how the execution is i still think the songwriting style and the way that the feeling you get from the music it hasn't diversified that much you know paradise lost they're releasing their 15th studio album medusa on the 1st of september also touring australia in december playing in melbourne at the corner hotel on the 16th greg thank you so much for joining me it's been an absolute pleasure you're welcome ben my pleasure too Thanks for listening to the Moshpit Backstage Podcast. You can subscribe to us on iTunes and Omni. To find out more about the show, go to www.syn.org.au slash moshpit. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash moshpitonsin and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at moshpitsin. The regular Moshpit radio show broadcasts punk, rock and male tunes and interviews every Thursday nights on Sin 9.7 on FM and digital radios. Listeners outside of Melbourne, Australia can stream Sin 9.7 online at www.syn.org.au. Thanks to Vintage Ruin for the music.
Hi, I'm Enid from Girls Go. I am Phoebe Pinnock from Heaven the Axe. Hey, this is Jerry Olney of the Misfits. Hey, this is Kat Sproul from Horizon's Edge, and you're listening to The Mosfit on Spin FM. Hi, this is Aina from Leopard. Hi, I'm Virginia Lilly from the band Lilly. This is Raoul from 1349. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Ali from Eberhead. Hey everybody, this is Charlie Benante with Anthrax, and you are listening to the Mosh Pit on Tips. 